Well, it's true that Paul was a great apostle, a great soul winner, but he was also a great friend maker. Paul was in the people business, and that's what ministry and life is really all about. It's about people, and people can be complicated, and people can be difficult, but the Lord so loved the world of people that he gave his son, and we get the privilege of partnering with people in the greatest cause of all, the gospel. Today, we'll explore that in Colossians 4 on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Every time you come to a Bible study, every time you open your Bible personally, you should be asking, Lord, what do you have to say to me today? Now, we've got to take Scripture in its context and understand the, the big picture and the history and all of that, but there's going to be personal application today, and I pray that your ears and your heart will be open. Verse 7, Colossians 4 says, As to all my affairs, as Paul winds down the letter, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful or trustworthy servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you information. So Tychicus was one of the group that was going to carry the letter of Colossae to the Colossian church. Remember, Paul wrote it from Roman imprisonment. And so there was a long journey to be made uh, by this group of people. And Tychicus was part of this group. And he was a courier. Remember, in the ancient world, you had no cell phone, no email. The only way you could get information to another person, if you wrote a document, was to entrust it into the hands of a courier. And these couriers would have to travel through very difficult circumstances, sometimes crossing oceans, dealing with robbers and rivers, and you name it. And so sometimes these uh, original people who carried letters that we can easily pass by their names were entrusted with the very scriptures that we treasure today. They were given the copy of Colossians, the copy of the book of Romans, and told, you got, you've got to deliver this copy to these individuals. And Tychicus was a man who was found faithful. He never achieved prominence, but he served in an important capacity as Paul's liaison to the churches. He was a faithful steward. If your story was written today, if Paul or somebody else in a modern age wrote a story about you, and was to capture the essence of your ministry, what would the description look like? Well, for Tychicus, he was faithful. He was faithful to the Lord. He was a servant of them, a a faithful servant and a fellow bondservant in the Lord, and he was gonna fill in any blanks that this Colossian congregation needed. The uh, 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, in this case, moreover, it is required of a steward that one be found faithful. Tychicus's name means fortuitous or fortunate. He's mentioned five times in the New Testament. He was a friend and companion of Paul. And uh, he was involved in a couple things that you're familiar with. He was a native to the province of Asia, Acts 20, verse 4. He's probably from Ephesus and converted to Christ through the preaching of Paul. He began, he began a friendship with Paul. And uh, it was not easy to be Paul's friend, by the way. Uh, Tychicus probably witnessed the great Ephesian silversmith riot against Paul, which, was, which prompted the Apostle Paul to leave Ephesus for Macedonia. Tychicus experienced danger uh, and sh- shared immense bravery with Paul. A short time later, when Paul decided to return to Jerusalem, where he would ultimately be arrested, Tychicus was one of the seven who accompanied him, write down Acts 20, verse 4, as a traveling companion. Some of you will remember that prophecies began to come forth 
uh, from individuals saying the Holy Spirit says that this man, uh, what awaits him is imprisonment and chains. And Paul would say to the group, I'm ready not only to go to Jerusalem, I'm ready to die for Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? And some of the people were trying to talk Paul out of it. Paul said, what are you doing breaking my heart? I must go. I must finish the race. And it would be one thing to be the group that was sending him off, but how about one of the seven that's going with Paul? Chains and imprisonment await this man. How about, would you want to shoot up a prayer like this? How about those who are with him, Lord? Do those prophecies apply to us as well or only him? Should I hold hands with him when we pray? That kind of thing. I mean, look, it's all real stuff here when we're talking about, you know, a sense of preservation. We went to India in 2001, India and Nepal, and uh, we were in a prayer group. We got off a bus at this village, and it was our first experience on the mission field. We all held hands, and the, the guy who had planted 100-and-something churches was there, and as we were praying, he goes, I know this, there's persecution in this land. Protect them, O Lord. And I'm thinking, can you clarify, <laughs> right? So we pulled up in a bus to this location, and we're going to do hut-to-hut witnessing, and this lady ran up to us, and she had a dead bird in her hand. And she was going, oh, and she's waving this, this dead bird. is just going like this. And we're thinking, oh, my goodness, we just arrived, and this lady's doing some sort of voodoo uh, magic on us, casting a spell, waving this dead bird around. So I asked my translator, what is she saying? And he said, well, she's saying that we ran over her bird with the bus. And she would like compensation for her bird. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, that's why translators are helpful. You have to admire somebody like Tychicus. He was a faithful messenger. He uh, survived the plot by the Jewish leaders to, to murder Paul. He had trials before Felix, Festus, and Agrippa, a harrowing voyage to Rome, recorded in Acts 27. And these guys stuck with Paul. Uh, and entrusted with delivering three inspired books, as we've mentioned, these prison epistles. Tychicus was a great man of God. You haven't heard much about him, but he was a faithful servant. For I've sent him, verse 8 says Paul, to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. When he shows up, he's not only going to deliver the letter that Paul that we're studying, but he's going to also fill in the blanks and tell you about my imprisonment and possible release and encourage your hearts. He's the first one, faithful brother in the Lord, faithful partner in the Lord. I could go on and on about the faithful men in this congregation, men who are able to teach, men who partner in ministry, men who show up, and behind the scenes, you don't know everything these guys deal with on the elder board and the pastor board, uh, the pastors, difficult stuff oftentimes, but they are men of great honor, and it's an honor to serve with them. The second person in the list is a man named Onesimus. Take a look, verse 9. And with him, Onesimus, he was also part of this group, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, one of the Colossians. They will inform you about the whole situation here. Now, some of you, uh, the name Onesimus rings familiar to you because Onesimus was written about in the book of Philemon. Go a little bit to your right. The book of Philemon, so you got Philemon, Hebrews, and then James, so go a little bit back, Philemon, Hebrews, and James, it's right in that area, it's just a one chapter book, and uh, this is the background, Philemon was a master, he was some sort of business owner who had met 
the Apostle Paul during his missionary journeys. And one of the servants in the house of Philemon was a man named Onesimus. Scholars conclude that the Colossian church met in the home of Philemon. So these letters all work together. In fact, if you buy a commentary set, commentators will often uh, do commentary on Colossians and Philemon because the books go hand in hand. Philemon probably hosted the Colossian church. And here's the history of it. Onesimus was a servant in that house, as I've mentioned to you, a lot of servants in the ancient world. Sometimes they went into servitude to pay off a debt. Sometimes they were born into slavery. So Onesimus served in a household where the Christian church met. He heard the gospel, obviously. He was around the things of God, around Bible studies. But at some point, Onesimus decided to skip town and he ran away from his commitment to his master, which probably included paying off debts. He may have stolen some stuff. We don't know for sure. And he ran off to Rome. And in Rome, he met the apostle Paul. Now, Paul was under some sort of house imprisonment with some relative freedom. We don't know if Onesimus was invited to some sort of evangelistic meeting where Paul spoke to people or whatever, but somehow, some way, Onesimus ran away from a place where a church was gathered and ran right into the the presence of the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine that? Sometimes we think we're running away from God and we're just actually running to God because God is really fast. He can catch up to you wherever you go, wherever you run. He can prepare big fishes to swallow you. Oh, he's got resources. He speaks whale. Some of you know, I heard a pastor say this morning that Jonah went to the University of Wales. Did you know that? Yeah, and he had an encounter with the living God. So Onesimus ran away, and you know, there's some people, they grow up in a Christian home, there's Bible studies in that home, they're around the things of God, they've gone to Sunday school, and then they run away from God, but you can't run away from God, the prodigal son could tell you that, amen? And and at some point, if you have a Christian foundation, God is going to catch up to you, because God has come to seek and to save that which was Lost, and at the end of that story, the father, as Jesus tells the story, says, my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Jesus is the hound of heaven, the seeker of the lost. You know, you came to Christ because he sought you. He sought you out. Maybe you're here today and you don't know him yet and you've, you've been checking things out, but look, Christ loves you and that's why he's seeking you out. Onesimus was this runaway slave. Take a look at the book of Philemon for a second and look at verse 15. Paul's now sending him back with this group to Colossae with the letter. And here's what he writes in Philemon. He says, perhaps, reading from the NIV, perhaps 115 of Philemon, the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No, No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, says Paul, even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. And so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, Paul says, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. It would sound like Paul led Philemon to the Lord, And there was some partnership in the gospel. And so when Paul uh, shared with Onesimus and Onesimus made a 
uh, commitment to Christ, Paul said, now you have to go back and you need to make things right with your master. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what are you wrestling with in your life? In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness. It's no secret the Christian life is difficult, but you can take comfort in knowing you are not alone. In Pastor Michael Lance's book, Suit Up, he shows you a revealing look at God's armor and how the Lord will equip you to face the world. You'll learn about the nature of the battle, who the real enemy is, and God's provision to be victorious. Learn about how each piece equips you for spiritual battle when you get your copy of Suit Up today on walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Paul said, now you have to go back and you need to make things right with your master. It would be kind of like if you worked for a company and let's say that you bailed on the company, you didn't give two weeks notice or you embezzled money from the company and then you met somebody and you became a Christian and that person who's discipling you says, now you go back to that company and you confess your sin and you make amends and all God's people said, go, what? Yeah, making amends is part of being a Christian. I have a friend that's uh, since moved out of state, but he became a believer many years ago, and he said the Lord put on his heart to make three phone calls, one of which was he had to call a company that he had not been financially uh, filled with integrity, and so he had to make a phone call to that company and confess what he had done. Can you imagine that, dialing the phone? He didn't even know who he was going to talk to. He just needed to confess it. This is what God put on his heart. Ah, hello? My name is so-and-so. I need to tell you that uh, (laughs) the person on the other side of the phone is going, what? And who are you? Right? But this is what the Lord does. He wants us to have a conscience that is clear. And in verse 18 of Philemon 1, when Paul says, charge it to me, what a beautiful picture of the gospel. This is the gospel in miniature. When Christ was dying on the cross, he said, Father, I know they've sinned against you. Charge it. To me. And Jesus Christ took our sin, our punishment at the cross. And all God's people said, Amen. Man, he paid a debt he didn't know because we owed a debt we could not pay. Back to Colossians chapter 4. So you have Onesimus. Maybe you can relate to him. Maybe you've run away from the things of God. Maybe you are experiencing. You know, some of that fallout, there's a way back. If there's a way back for Onesimus, there's a way back for you. Look at verse 10, Colossians 4. The third person mentioned here is Aristarchus. My fellow prisoner sends you his greetings. Aristarchus is a Jewish believer, though like many Jews in the dispersion, he had a Greek name. He was a native of Thessalonica, according to Acts 20, verse 4, and uh, you can also see 27.2 of the book of Acts. He was with Paul on the voyage to Rome. That means Aristarchus went through the storm and the shipwreck that Luke graphically describes in Acts 27. In fact, he became a voluntary prisoner with Paul when Paul was under some form of house arrest in Rome. Aristarchus went into the house arrest with him. Scholars say that he wasn't an official uh, prisoner of Rome, but he decided to partner with Paul in Rome in the imprisonment. Here's how it would work in Rome. You didn't get three squares and a cot and a television in jail. If you went into Roman imprisonment, your friends or family fed you or you died. There were no three square meals and a cot and that kind of thing. 
Your friends showed up, they gave you food, water, and a cloak, or you died in prison. So Aristarchus said, I'm going to join Paul in prison, be able to come and go and provide for his needs. He was a voluntary prisoner uh, for the sake of the Apostle Paul. Some of you have done incredible things like that. You've entered, in, entered into somebody's pain. You've, uh, you've taken some steps of faith to be that kind of person, and that is the love of Christ. Christ says, I was, in, I was in prison and you came to me. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. And the righteous will say, when did I do this? When did I see you naked or come to you when you were in prison? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. That is what ministry is about. The fourth person in verse 10 of Colossians 4 is Mark. Also, Barnabas's cousin, Mark, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Now, you all know that John Mark was on one of the early missionary voyages of the Apostle Paul, and he was there with Barnabas, his cousin. And John Mark, at some point, turned tail. He left the work he, because of fear or whatever. He decided he couldn't hang in there, and he bailed on the missionary team. When they were going to go back out again, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark, but Paul said no. He bailed on us, and I don't want to take him. And they had such a sharp disagreement, this is recorded in the book of Acts, that they divided from one another. And Barnabas took Mark, and Paul took Silas with him, and they divided over this young man named John Mark. And he had bailed on the work. And, you know, I think some of you can relate to this. There's a lot of this that goes on where you know, somebody starts out well, they have a call to ministry, maybe they even get ordained as a pastor, and then they bail on the work. It gets too hard, it's too difficult. Uh, you know, there's missionaries that, you don't hear these stories, but they leave the mission field, and they couldn't handle it, and it was difficult, and it was more than they could bear, and there was spiritual warfare that was really heavy. And then you come back, and you feel like you have your tail between your legs, and you're like, can I even be usable again? Is there anything good that God can do with my life now that I signed up and then I bailed on the work? But Mark is a man who got a second chance. In fact, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, pick up Mark and bring him with you for, he's, for he is useful to me for service. And by this account, we know that Mark is back in good graces. As Paul says, welcome him. He's the man who got a second chance. In fact, he's only one of four men in the history of the human race that was able to write a gospel about Jesus Christ. You want to talk about redemption, folks? That's redemption because God is a God of grace. So if you bailed on the ministry or you left something that you had made a commitment to, there's always hope for a second chance. Maybe you can relate to Mark. Look at verse 11. The next man is Jesus, who is uh, the Greek form of Joshua, popular name in the first century, by the way, who is also called Justice. These are, only, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, that is Jewish, and they are Jesus, who's called Justice, Mark, and Aristarchus. And they have proved to be an encouragement to me, says Paul. I want you to think about how many times Paul went into a city. He started with the Jewish synagogue. He began to preach from the Old Testament scrolls and his countrymen tried to stone him, kill him, kick him out of town, tell him he was nuts. They did not want to hear the gospel. Rejection is a hard thing, isn't it? 
Uh, we do a Bible study at Farmer Boys, and we're often 15, 20 guys in the middle of Farmer Boys. So if you come into Farmer Boys for breakfast Thursdays at around 9 a.m., you're going to hear a Bible study because it just happens. We're there, and the owner's okay with it. So we're in the middle of the restaurant, and oftentimes people will listen in. You can tell they're kind of listening. And, and some people will come over and put a hand on my shoulder and say, man, it's awesome that you guys are here praying for you, or I listened in today, praise the Lord. And then... There's some people, you know, sometimes I have an eye on somebody and the Lord's like, go over and talk to that person. And I'll have, I'll have a card to the church and I, I put a card down in front of this guy and I said, hey, I'm Pastor Michael from this church. This is a men's Bible study. Love to invite you. And he goes, no, I don't want that. I said, you, you don't want an invitation to the church? And he went, <laughs> no, I don't want that. I kind of overdid the laugh a little bit, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, and I was like, you know, we're human, right? Rejection can be a hard thing. But then the Lord reminded me, he's not rejecting you. He's rejecting me. I was at a city council meeting where we were fighting for, some of you will remember, in God we trust to be in the chamber. And there was a very vocal gentleman there, and I'm praying for him. And I, and I told him that I loved him, and I, and I pray that he would come to Christ. But he's very vocal. And so it was a long day and a long meeting and the thing got passed and I was walking out the door and this guy confronted me at the door and said, I got a bone to pick with you, Pastor Michael. And I went, oh. He goes, I don't like what's on your website and I don't like what you say about these people and I don't like this and I don't like that. And I said, we're not gonna do this here and now. And so I just moved on. But I, but I thought about it later and you guys can relate to this. My response should have been, you don't have a bone to pick with me. I think you're angry at God and, you know, sometimes when you step out in ministry and you identify yourself with Christ, there's going to be a little bit of heat. Jesus said, if they rejected me, do you think that everybody's going to receive you? Do you think a servant is greater than his master? I don't think so. So some of us have to be prepared that sometimes we're going to get an angry response to the gospel. But sometimes an angry response can be positive. You know why? You've heard Greg Laurie say it before, I think. If you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that barks the loudest is usually the one that got hit. <laughs> so, so sometimes people bark at you. They get angry at you, but maybe something's stirring in them. Maybe God's doing a work. Sometimes a person will receive the card from you. Yeah, thanks for that, but they don't have any intention of coming. But someone who's mad... Maybe that's a positive sign. Maybe they're closer than the person who just took the card. And so you leave, you pray for them, and you never know what might happen. The sixth person in this list is Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness, says Paul, that he has deep concern for you, and for those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. Now, if you recall the introduction to the book, Epaphras is the founder and probably the current pastor of the church at Colossae. And Epaphras was so concerned about the false teaching that was happening in Colossae that he took probably a 1,300-mile journey without a scooter, without a bicycle, without a motor car, uh, no modern transportation, made his way to Rome to tell Paul about the false teaching in Colossae and to get answers and to get a letter back to the church to protect the flock. 
You want to talk about commitment, folks? Some people won't even travel two miles to do something for Christ anymore. This guy hoofed it for 1,300 miles to get help from the Apostle Paul to protect the congregation that he loved from false teaching. Wow, now that is commitment. Epaphras hoofed it 1,300 miles to get help from the Apostle Paul. Some people won't even go 13 miles to drive to church or even 13 blocks. How committed are you to defending the faith, to getting the gospel out to people you care about? You know, this is a question we all have to answer. And the awesome thing is many of you are partnering in the gospel in your local church and even with Walk in Truth. And I want to remind you that you can partner with Walk in Truth as we introduce a new series starting on Wednesday in the book of Esther. You know, the book of Esther is so contemporary because it's about the providential hand of God, the sovereign hand of God. His name's not mentioned once in the book, but his fingerprints are all over it. And as they look back, they could see the hand of God. They can sense him moving in their lives and in this story. This is going to start Wednesday, but if you would like the entire series for a financial gift of $30 or more to Walk in Truth, you can get it now and you can pass it along to friends and family. You can find out all the giving information, the products that we have available at our store, a way to be a monthly partner, or even give a one-time gift at walkintruth.com. Please keep us in your prayers. We deeply appreciate your partnership, and tell friends about what you're listening to on this station on Walk in Truth. Well, again, we'll begin Esther on Wednesday, but tune in tomorrow to hear the conclusion of the series in Colossians and the message, We're Better Together. Till then, God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.